Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, amazing, awesome discussions from fans and listeners just like you. Hey, did you hear that awesome pre-roll from a fan just like Gordon McLeod? Yes, I did. Amazing. You yeah. guys can also send us in an ad. We would love to hear your Patreon it's ads. Not an ad. It's not an ad. It's just a, your thoughts. It's just thought. It's just a, a suggestion. How you feel, really? Yeah. Like what? What's what's? You know, what, what are you jazzing on? What's like? As long as what you're jazzing on is, you can support the show by <laughs> going to Patreon.com/slash/SwordAndLaser. Email us a link to feedback at swordandlaser.com. <laughs> pop it in Dropbox, pop it in Google Drive, whatevs, or call and leave a voicemail at four one five seven sword six, and that will be an automatic file that we can just boop put in the show. You're frisky today. What are you drinking? I don't know why. I'm not drinking anything. That's why. I'm high on life, Tom. Yeah. You finally figured it out. And candy peaches the left over drink. from Dragon Con. Oh, there we go. Candy <laughs> peaches. Pure You're sugar. You're still eating candy peaches from Dragon Con? Yeah, I, ha- I found stale? a bag. No, they're I apparently they're impervious to, to time. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess that's something that happens at Dragon Con. All, all human life forms slowly start to disintegrate shortly right. after returning uh, from the some sort of con peaches crud. actually suck out the life from the t- attendees. Is I that think. it? Yeah. And they store their energy, and you've unlocked the secret. Wow. Well, I'm, I guess uh, I should feel better then. I'm Shouldn't drinking I? tea. Mm, are you? You're sick too. Yeah, I got. Oh man, I can't believe it. I've been sick in a long time too. You sounded okay on DTNS this week. Thank you. Well, on Monday I was fine. I didn't get. Oh, it sick happened until Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, it was mm. one of those. You know, inc- I was incubating on Monday. I see. I see. <laughs> All right. Well, let us jump right now into the quick burns. So, Thane, thank you for submitting this, Thane. We think you're definitely a Thane and not a thrall for submitting uh, the fact that BBC is doing Ooh. The City and the City, a four-part adaptation. Uh, I believe this is for radio. Is that right? No? No, for, I can't tell. Radio? It says a four-part adaptation, so maybe it's video. I don't know. I have a giant ad in the middle of my screen that I can't skip out of right now. So even though I looked at this article already. Okay, there we go. Okay, it's gone now. Oh, thank goodness. Um, yeah, four parts. That seems like maybe not enough. That sounds radio-ish to me. Yeah. Um, but it's Tony Grissoni, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and the Red Riding Trilogy mm-hmm. will write the adaptation. It says BBC. So is that BBC Although Radio just or be BBC, a BBC it, the it show could be. channels? I don't know if it's Tony Grisotti. He's a screenwriter, so I guess it's BBC Video. And they do that. They do miniseries. I mean, House yeah. of Cards originally was a miniseries like that. Let's just Britain. assume that's going to be video. And, and I, he wrote, I'm the, very he wrote the script for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. They're not going to. He's not going to do a radio play. So yeah, no, I'm dumb. This have is we, this is TV. Have we not talked about this? 
because I feel very much like I talked about like how are they going to visually do the layering of the two cities? Yes, we've talked about the city and the city being optioned, I guess. And now it's really going to happen. Now it's really happening. I have happening. no idea how they pull that off. Now, I haven't read the book either, but I get the concept. <gasps> you haven't read the book? No, I've read Railsea. Oh, ooh, you should read the book. It's really good. I've read Railsea. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not this book. But it's by China Mieville. It is. Have you but read Railsea? Not... No. You should but they're not Rail adapting Railsea. They're adapting they the will. city in the city. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I want to read City in the City because this is an excellent I love China Mieville's concepts. He's as do as, as everyone else. It's not earth shattering that I like that. But yeah, he's so good with that. Well, uh, speaking of adaptations, uh, Tom Mahomey says, I didn't know Octavia Butler's Dawn would be adapted to TV either. Ooh, I don't know that it can be. Oh, that's yeah, a trick. This is, this is also something that I saw. Uh, we didn't we didn't do quick burns in the last episode of Sword and Laser because we were at Dragon Con uh, interviewing Sherry Priest. Um, so I think I had we already read this story. Sherry Priest time. To of be course. Why wouldn't we? She's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I knew about this a couple of weeks ago and just trying to figure out how they're going to make this into a television show is really kind of crazy to think about because the aliens themselves are just so out there and there's a a lot of alien orgies, for example. <laughs> well, no, that's one of the best quotes in this interview on io9. Alan Bain, uh, who's producing it, uh, says, I'm not sure how far you can go with interspecies sex on a TV show. I'm interested in exploring. I think you mean, I'm not sure how to explore interseries. That is the worst Bane impression of all he's time. Bane. That I bet was, he never gets that either. That was terrible. I'm so sorry. Our I'm graphic so sorry. scenes will be more severe. That was way better. <laughs> way better, Tom. Excellent work. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I could impress you. <laughs> but anyway, this interview is definitely worth a read. Um, it's it's They, they kind of dive into how and why. Um, how would you do this on a TV budget, for example? I could see this as being a big budget like sci-fi film, but TV sometimes doesn't have that capability especially when it's an you know i mean it's, it's a known it's a known entity Netflix, but hbo like they've been taking on bigger deals like this so in in some ways i think it's better for a series because you get more time to explore and and tell the tale and i think mm -hmm. it could get short shrift in a, in a two-hour or three-hour movie but he, okay. if you know if you notice he doesn't answer they ask him, like, how are you going to do this? He's like, very carefully, essentially, <laughs> is what he keeps saying. Like, they're they're trying to figure it out themselves, but they think they can. He's confident. That's good. That is good. I, I like confidence in a in a in a person at adapting a crazy conceptual sci-fi novel. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, adapting a, a novel uh, that is dear and, near and dear to my heart, The Man in the High Castle, is something that I was nervous about people attempting. But the pilot was amazing. And Trike points out that Amazon says the first season of The Man in the High Castle will be available on Amazon Prime Instant Streaming on November 20th. So you liked it. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, and during Comic-Con, they streamed the second episode and I missed it. And I'm oh. kicking myself. Ever well, since. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that for sure. I know you've been you've been excited slash nervous. You about still this haven't watched the pilot? No, I don't. I no no I haven't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm Veronica Belmont. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it then. <laughs> Um, we have a post from Jason, uh, who is referring to, uh, Nettie or, uh, 
I'm always going to mess up her name. Okorafor. Okorafor. Um, When he says, I just found this tidbit on Tor.com. This sounds exciting. The novella is read by Robin Miles, and she worked closely with the author to get the right sounds and inflection to world build. Here's a synopsis. Binti is a brilliant young woman who is the first of the Himba community to be offered a place at the galaxy's finest institution of higher learning. There's also a spooky race of bad guys. Uh, listen and tell me that it doesn't sound interesting. I can't wait for the audiobook. Has there ever been a collaboration with an author to make a book sound right? Oh, yeah. Jason asks. For sure. I, I, this is certainly not the first time an author has collaborated, but I do get what's impressing, Jason, is that they worked very closely on something more complex Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas we do hear, I think what Jason's also reacting to is we hear authors who say, well, I didn't tell them how to pronounce things. You know, I don't I don't want to set down laws. That's just a different way of doing it. They, they leave the interpretation to the performer. But mm-hmm. but very often, the author will work very closely with the narrator. Uh, and, I, and, and I'm and i interested to see uh, what happens with that. I here. would like to have her on the show sometime. That would be amazing. Yeah. Nettie. Akorafor, Akorafor. I know I've said her name before. I'm so sorry. Should, I'm so bad at pronouncing things. talk to our booker. <laughs> me? Wait, I'm, that's me. You should talk to yourself. <laughs> I like how I just said, I just, I just told the audience who knows this better than anyone else, I go, I'm not great at pronouncing things. And every single one of them out there said, no freaking dub, Elmont. That's there kind were, of but your deal. No, there's always a couple new people and now they know. That's the right. That's right. that's, that's my them. deal, guys. I'm bad at pronouncing even the most simplest names, most simple names like out there. Tom Merit. Gets tome, it wrong good old Tom. I <laughs> uh, remember the guy at Dragon Con who asked why we don't talk about Wattpad more often. He really wanted to know about Wattpad. I don't know if this is him, but Stephen on our quick burn says Mark Lawrence has started a new story on Wattpad. It's a free Western fantasy told in 19 parts. Yeah, that's so exciting. That's pretty cool. I've been meaning to get more into Wattpad, like checking it out, figuring out what it's all about, seeing what authors are on there. Um, but this is a an updated periodically fantasy book. Uh, it goes uh, technically a weird Western. Gunslingers, hex witches, dogmen, minotaur, trains that run further than you can I'm imagine. Mikios Jones is a gunslinger, faster than thinking, part of the gun law, a man who can seldom afford the luxury of looking past the end of any given day. Gun law. Jenna Crossard is a hex witch, but her ambitions are larger than spells and charms. The need to understand the world consumes her. They say the gun law keeps men safe from the endless horror of the sect. But to Jenna, it's a cage and she wants out. Out, out, out. If that means breaking open the world and killing a few gods, so be it. Explosion. See, we collaborated very closely on that telling. Um, I, I think we should do that as like a thing. That should become the podcast. That should be, it's just reading descriptions of, just of reading books. Dis- yeah. Actually, if we still lived in the same city, when I do the unboxings mm-hmm. or the, the book haul things, it would be great if you were like making those sound effects behind Well, we could me. do them as a hangout and then you could. Oh, that's true. Mm, that requires I don't want to step on your book hauls though. I don't want to. You know, the, the secret of the book haul is that I can do it as soon as I get back from the post office. <laughs> <laughs> it's like part of your day, part of it's your like, thing that oh, you do. before I get started on anything else, sit down, boom, boom, boom. So Bang it out. 
Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of interesting world news. Elizabeth says, uh, turns out Uprooted may contain true facts. Uh, true via fact. io9, a medieval skeleton found dangling from the roots of a fallen tree. Heart tree. Heart tree. What? Real life heart tree. Real life heart tree. Go check it out. It's freaky. It is pretty cool. And frankly, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. But who am oh. I to say? Where skeletons end bone, up in the world. Bone tree. Bone tree, gross. You know, when my mom used to tell me if I swallowed the cherry pits, a cherry tree would grow in my stomach. I didn't believe her until now. I won a watermelon eating contest uh, when I was eight uh, yeah. because I ate all the seeds. And then the guy that was running the competition at the end of the event your stomach. put the microphone up to his face and said, and you know, that means you're going to grow watermelons in your stomach. And I burst into tears. Ah, <laughs> from victory to terrified. <laughs> to absolutely terrifying an eight-year-old girl. Way to go, guy. Way to go. Lessons were learned. Scarred for life. Can't eat a watermelon still. Yep, not to this day. To this right day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, we have a great topic here about uh, present tense. It's Can from you Thane it? again. Thane! I want to say Thane like Bane now, because now we have Thane and Bane. Thane's postings are pretty awesome. He's like, enough, guys. This is my no, name. That Stop even, making fun of was me. That was getting farther away. Sorry. <laughs> Thane says, is it me, or is there more and more fiction using present tense? It kind of drives me nuts. I couldn't read City of Stairs because I just finished a once-crowded sky and didn't want another present tense book right away. <laughs> wow. Now I, yeah. Huh? Now I see the new Star Wars by Chuck Wendig as present tense. That seems odd. Feels odd. What do you think? Present tense? Like it? Lump it? Can you dig it? <laughs> Uh, you know, present tense definitely sticks out to me when I'm reading something for the first time and I'm like, oh, okay, it's in present tense. But then I get used to it pretty fast and it doesn't bother me anymore. So it's I'm in not team anything Brendan. that turns me off. I'm in team Brendan who says, I literally don't even notice it. The planet's surface comes up fast, too fast, but she tells herself that she knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Down there, the rise of lush hills and slick-faced cliffs give way to the canyon of Acar, a winding serpentine valley, and it's there she takes the moth. That's from Chuck Wendig's Star Wars Aftermath. As Sean says, that bother you? the kids today with their punk rock music and present, and present tense, tense narratives. narratives. <laughs> Get off my lawn and speak in the past tense. I don't know. I think it's kind of, it makes things feel exciting in a way. I think that's kind of the point, right? To give it a, a feeling of I urgency. If it's used right, you shouldn't notice. But mm -hmm. I guess some people just are, t are so attuned to the past tense that uh, it bothers them. I think it would be a, a pretty cool exercise uh, to try to write in present tense, which is not something I've probably done since I was a kid. Um, not to, that is not to say that Chuck Wendig and, and you know, Robert J. Bennett are, are small children minds that can only write in the present tense. <laughs> Although I imagine Sam Sykes might agree on Chuck's. But they're baby brains yeah. and whatnot. Um, <laughs> can we make that the title of the show? I just tried to pick a fight between Sam and Chuck. I don't know why. You probably should. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you? Why not? Hilarious. Uh, no, they're not baby brains, but yes, uh, it's, it's a style choice and, it, and it's very effective. Second person is even weirder. Uh, and actually Thane, uh, or I'm sorry, was it Thane? No, it was Joseph. Joseph pointed out in the thread that one book that he thought used both second person and present tense successfully was The Night Circus. Oh. 
Because hmm. in those interludes, it says, you approach the circus, you do mm-hmm. this. And that works great because it yeah. took, it was like, oh, okay, now I'm, I'm doing something. I'm, right. I'm moving through the story. But it wasn't overused. Yeah, maybe it has to be more situational yeah. as opposed to well you know I, I frankly it doesn't bother me I haven't I, I don't remember the last time it jumped out at me and I noticed it so maybe I'm just a baby brain I guess yeah. that's I guess that's the answer but like, <laughs> I definitely do notice it I'm not like you know saying I never notice it but I only notice it at the beginning and then I like aftermath I, I honestly mm-hmm. had forgotten it was in present tense till I read this uh, and I've been Dave. reading it this week I just want to make a note for Tassie Dave to add baby brain to the wikia as a um, as a phrase, a sword and laser. I'm going to make that a thing, baby brains. Um, I'm not really sure what the definition is, but uh, if you could, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. I think right. I might call this episode is present tense for baby brains. It's present tense for baby brains. I like it. Write it down. Uh, Dawn has a post, uh, Epic Fantasy with Romance. Ooh, this sounds right up my alley. She says, hi. It's like that other show I was a guest on. That's right. I have struggled recently to find a good epic fantasy that is not young adult. I'm Mm. looking for an adult fantasy with epic nature and some romance. Uh. I don't mind, nor do I need steamy romance, but just good character development would be wonderful, and anything else is a bonus. I'm looking forward to something, I'm sorry, I'm looking for something more fantasy medieval time-based. I love that era, that feel, Mm. uh, with lots of plot twists and world building and she does mention Cushiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey which of course is kind of the standard at this point Uh, and then there's a lot of great suggestions Uh, Dharma Curdy says Clive Barker's um, Magica and Galilee 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 Um, and he's also reading the Song of Achilles, which almost reads like a romantic fantasy novel. It's based on the Iliad and presents the relationship between Achilles and um, uh, Pat, Patroclus. Patroclus. Yeah, Patroclus. Patroclus. Yeah. Patroclus. Um, and yeah. Outlander, of course, which oh, is right. which is a, a great choice as well. Uh, Michelle recommends Star of the Morning. A series of nine books, and it was much more of a fantasy than the romance it is marketed as. So that sounds right up the alley of what uh, Dawn is asking for. And Darren Could- mentions uh, Guy Gavriel K, a song oh. for Arbon, um, but I would also say Tagana is yeah. well, not totally medieval. It's medieval. Mm, it's more like Crusades rather than total medieval era, um, but it's 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 right up that alley too. And, Very good uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good and and very heartening to see all the people jumping in with good suggestions for her. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well done. We got an email from Rob Secundus who says, Dear Tom and Veronica, I recently stumbled across a super rad book from the University of Pennsylvania Press, E.R. Truitt's Medieval Robots. And I thought, what could be more sword and laser than that? I mean, okay, space dragons, maybe, and also actual laser swords. But still, medieval robots are probably the third most sword and laser thing in existence. The title sounds like that of a really generically titled pulp, but it's actually a survey of automata, 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 automatoms in the Western medieval world. The fictional robots that feature in medieval romance and legend, the pseudo fictional robots that feature in travelogues, turns out the Middle East filled with robots and real historical robots that were installed as curiosities in courts. Anyway, it's so rare that nonfiction stuff is relevant to the show that I thought I should share. Yeah. I mean, they're not proper robots because Mm -hmm. robot wasn't invented as a word until the 20th century, but... Automata, robots, I mean, let's not 
put too fine a point on it. I think this is a great find. Well done, Rob. Awesome. And then John said, I recently started listening to NPR's Ask Me Another, where Jonathan Colton is the house musician, yay, and heard one of their older episodes on their July 31st, 2014 show, Saladin Ahmed was a guest. This reminded me of your bonus interview with Saladin in 2012. I have not seen a video of Ask Me Another, so we cannot be sure whether Saladin, Jonathan are one person, but we do know that there is proof that they have been in the same place at the same time. In case you have the time, I've included a link to the episode below, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> Uh, the clip in question is can't place the place name. The mystery continues. So they didn't they didn't uh, talk about that on the show, how they are uh, brothers separated at birth. Yeah. That's too they bad. Didn't, they didn't. That's too bad. They really, they look creepily alike sometimes. In in certain cases. In certain, it has to be like, yeah, it has to be picture, like, yeah. you know, I bet that's, yeah, that's, that's so true of all, so many things. But yeah, when they, when they try to look alike, it's pretty frightening. Right. Like how you always get confused for me. I know. It's only in certain lights. Certain lights, super, cer- certain angles. Yeah. Um, I can I can see why it's confusing, Mostly though. when press release people are forgetting to change their template. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now it is time for our book of the month discussion. Now, we are midway through the month of September, um, so this is not a wrap-up yet. And I'm, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to stay pretty far away from spoilers. But, you know, if you don't want to talk about the book at all until you're ready, maybe now would be a good time to check out... And yeah. we'll see you next time for the wrap-up. Bye. Uh, bye. Don't forget <laughs> patreon.com slash laser. Bye. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Um, but we are reading A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter M. Miller Jr., uh, You know, which I didn't realize the only novel he ever published. The only novel. Right. But he did a follow-up, though. I thought he did a... Wasn't there a... Um, or was that short stories that were the follow-up to, to Canticle? Was, was it posthumously uh, published, I think? it was. I think Canticle is the only book published in his lifetime. Okay, because, yeah, the New Yorker... St. Leibowitz and the Wild Horsewoman was published in 1997. Okay, okay. So the only pu- novel published in his lifetime was A Canticle for Leibowitz. Um, and Tom and I figured out kind of early that we are uh, seemingly at odds in, in, in this case, which I am supremely surprised about because this was Tom's pick. And it seems like it's right up Tom's alley. And okay. yet, I'm the and one yet. who loves this book, and Tom is having feelings. I'm having, that's a good way of putting it. Because I, first of all, it's so well loved. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so hesitant to say that I don't love it because people will throw stones at me uh, like I'm a Jewish person up in the hills above the Leibowitzian monastery. Uh, <laughs> I, I really, really, really don't want to give the impression that I hate the book because I don't hate the book. I'm enjoying vast parts of it. I have always been hesitant to read this. This is why people are like shocked. They're like, you've never read A Canical for Leibowitz? It's post-apocalyptic. It's alternative future. <coughs> it's right up your alley. And there's always been something about it that made me hesitate. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like parts of it, I'm just finding a little draggy and I'm I'm trying to remind myself of what I say about all the other older literature that we read, Mm -hmm. which is you have to remember when this was written, there wasn't anything else like it because I think what I think what's happening to me is what happens to some other people who've read like a ton of space opera. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when we read an older Alfred Bester, they're just like, what is this? You know, (laughs) 
I've, I've, I've read all this before. I like your scoff sound. Uh, yeah. And so I think what's happening is I've read so much post-apocalyptic, so much like what happens when the religious orders take over after a disaster and, mm-hmm. and you know, far future and then looking back on a buried earth that was our time but is now long in the past that everything seems done. I'm like, yeah. I've seen that done better. Oh, oh that, that part's huh. been improved. Oh, well, that's an interesting way of doing it. Uh, and it's not as revelatory for me as if I had come to this first. So, Am I? Well, this is so... Okay, sorry. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. That's all. That's all. I just, okay. I'm just saying, like, I was worried that I would not be as in love with this as, as the people who are in love with it. And I totally respect... I admire the book. I admire the craft. And I am constantly reminded like no one had done this. Miller is a genius mm-hmm. as I'm reading it. But I'm not getting the visceral reaction that I would want. That's all. It is so funny. And I feel like I'm I'm wasting this conversation for the wrap-up episode. But I feel like I need to to meet your statements with statements of my own to balance out people who are either in the process of reading it or about to read it. Or in the process of throwing something at their podcast player. Right. So for me, this book was revelatory. For me, I read this book and I said to myself, not only do I understand why this is a classic novel, but it has changed me as a reader forever. And that's a big thing for me to say. Yeah, that's huge. Like, I read this, and in the first chapter, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, it's it's so funny, and it's so smart, and oh. Like, it was all like an experience for me. And sure. I was totally enraptured, and I just like sped through the whole book and read the whole thing and loved it. And I totally understand also why Mary Doria Russell wrote the introduction, I believe, for Audible or... Or why people reference, you know, the sparrow in the same breath. Um, I was concerned, you know, as well that the religious stuff would be annoying or not relevant to me or somehow, you know, taking away from the sci-fi aspects of it. But the way they deal with it is so feels so true and so right that it just it made me love them. It made me love the the monks in the abbey. It made me love all the characters, even when I felt that they were wrong. Even when I felt, especially in the third act, that things, certain things were not how I would have, what I would have done. Sure. I still understood them and it made me feel a lot of empathy for them. Which is, that's a sign of a great writer. Yeah. Right there. And so for me, this, this novel was, (sighs) yeah, I don't, I, it's very hard to explain, but I felt like it changed me. Wow. See, that's awesome. That's what it's supposed to do. In fact, I'm jealous. Yeah. Because what happens to me is I think about, um, not to be too spoilery, but in the third section, uh, the Minister of Defense with the press conference. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's just so dated. Just like, <laughs> that's, that's what hits me. And, you know, and then I feel bad because I'm like, dude, it was not dated at all no. when he wrote it. And it sticks out only because the rest of the book is so even. And you're absolutely right about the characters of the monks. They are so well done and they are so sympathetic and they're so enjoyable. I do yeah, absolutely yeah. enjoy the character of the Don in part two, the character of the monk in the, in the first part who, di- you know, who discovers mm-hmm. things, um, and and so it's that's why I hesitate I, I hesitate Francis. to even criticize it because there are large parts of the book that I do love mm-hmm. for sure. It's not like I'm not having a good time reading it. Okay, 
Well, we just want you guys to know there's there's two sides to this coin. Yeah. And uh, read so, read it read it with an open mind, I guess. It is a classic. There's it is no, a classic. No doubt about it. And and it is a great premise. And it is, you know, part of it may be too that if you think too much about the fact that it was constructed as three novellas and then put together that can those seams might show a little more so don't think about that now that i've brought it up <laughs> don't think about that um but we had a great post from uh from ej over on goodreads um who said i find that with older works some context about the time the author was writing and their personal experience can be extremely interesting i thought this new yorker review from 2014 does a really good job providing some of that edit the review itself has spoilers for the book so if that concerns you then perhaps it can be a bit of dessert reading um yeah it's a great it's a great post about about miller's experience in world war ii and you know what led him to write this book and what he was drawing from um inspiration wise and just how fascinating it is his inspirations other authors he read at the time the his contemporary contemporaries like asimov and just how this is the only novel as we mentioned that he wrote in his lifetime i mean this was three short stories published in science fiction magazines, you know, way back when. And yeah, he in the brought magazine them together. of fantasy and science fiction, to be yeah. exact. Yeah. And he brought them together in a novel, and it was it has become required reading for for schools across the world. And and it is one of those books that is you know, not genre defining, but I mean it though it hasn't risen to the ranks of Dune or you know, Lord of the Rings, it is of that time, and it's very much a part of that legacy of of that era, of that early sci-fi, early fantasy, yeah. um, and it deserves a place there. I think I wish I had read this at the same time that I had read The Man in the High Castle hmm. and Lord of the Rings, uh, and, and it made it a foundation of my own science fiction education. Yeah. I was going to make a foundation joke. And then I, I didn't. wish I had read foundation at that time as well. <laughs> That's <Nerds>. true. <laughs> if only I had known ahead of time as if I were some sort of Harry Seldon. Oh God. Oh, we're bad. But anyway, uh, there's tons of really great um, spoilery discussions happening over on Goodreads. That's why I didn't link to more of them uh, for today's episode. Um, but if you want to, if you're done or if you're in the process of reading, actually, I kind of wish that we had split them up into acts so people could talk about the first act, the second act, the third uh, act. This would have been a good one for that, wouldn't it? Yeah. So yeah. maybe if you guys want to jump in there or Rob, if you want to start at whatever mod moderator, robberator, um, that would be, <laughs> I'm going to call him that from now on. He's the Robberator. <laughs> the Robberator. Uh, and then we've got, what was your name? What's your new name? Automatom. Automatom. So I guess yeah. I need a, a name now, too. Bellbot. Uh, eh, okay. All right. Eh. Eh. I made that one up for myself, though. It's not as good when you make it up yourself. All right. Uh, you guys Veronica can think of something. Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Necronomicon, and it came out with just, like, Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, whatever. All right, so that about wraps things up. Uh, Tom, anything else you want to mention? 
No, uh, just that our show is entirely funded by you folks, our patrons at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Thank you folks who back the show. Uh, we are doing a little monthly silliness for people who back at certain levels. We put your name on the website. So if you would like to support the show, mostly what you get out of supporting the show is knowing that you're making the show possible. Mm-hmm. If you didn't back sword and laser, you're, list- you're surfing off someone else's good nature right Whoa, now wow you're throwing down so you know i'm just saying if that yeah. bothers you in any way go to patreon.com slash sword and laser <laughs> you can also support the show by buying books through our links you can find links to the books that we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks and of course if you want to call and leave us a voicemail the four the four, I, I did the wrong order for the stuff and then i got screwed up because I've said it the same way for eight years, and then I messed it up. And Don't mess with success. All right. If you want Thank to you. email us, the email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads, and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.